0: Welcome to TechDown, the weekly podcast discussing technology and other nerd-related topics. My name is Aaron Comp, and I am joined, as always, by my older brother, Adam. Adam, how are you doing this week? I'm feeling good. How are you doing, man? I'm having a great Monday, and it was a, a pretty relaxing weekend for me. How about you? Yeah, it's football season. So, football weekend. Big win for the Spartans.
1: You're in your glory. Is that right? Spartans did pretty well. Yeah, they took down Oregon, who... Uh, so, like, Spartans were ranked number five, and Oregon was ranked, like, number six or seven, something like that. So, really big win. That's awesome. And then, of course, NFL football. Yep. Got to watch some of that, too. I think I'm going to be 3-0 and to start the season in my fantasy leagues. Man, I wish. And... Dude, my favorite thing I so I've been looking forward to watching football with my son ever since I found out that I was having a son. And I finally got to do that for the first time this weekend. So oh,
0: that is so cute. Yeah.
1: Did you watch the Spartan game with them? Well, so that was on kind of late. We we were uh. actually out at dinner with grandma and grandpa and like they had it on at the bar. So he would get fussy and I would be like, oh, I think I got to take Connor and walk around. And then I'd mosey up to the bar and we would watch a couple of plays. And he uh, he seemed like he was paying attention, having a good time. Taking after the old man. That's right. Yeah. So and there was uh, a couple barflies bar flies there that were asking, hey, are you raising this kid to be a Spartan fan? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Go green. Yes, sir. Go white. Yep. There is no other way. Uh, But so you had a relaxing weekend, you said.
0: Yeah. um, So frequent listeners of the show might know that this is the last month of my bachelorhood. I'm going to be tying the knot in early uh, October. So it's been a little bit of running around, getting ready for the wedding. Uh, So this weekend we went to Costco to make a couple decisions about flowers we'd like to purchase. And then we also met up with our officiant and went over what the actual ceremony is going to sound like. And that was uh, surprisingly actually pretty exciting. Talking to the officiant? Yeah, I mean, like, it felt, no pun intended, very official, you know? Like, it's when we're planning the wedding, we think a lot about the reception and, like, this centerpiece and that, you know, that table uh you know order or whatever like everything seems to be a little skewed more towards the reception so it's fun to really sit down and give a lot of thought to the ceremony itself
1: mm-hmm. and are you guys doing your own vows
0: yeah i kind of insisted on that one so i think we both have it was just one of those things that i thought would be nice i don't know mary beth didn't seem to feel very strongly one way or the other <laughs> that's awesome maybe i'm old-fashioned yeah,
1: Cindy and I did not do our own vows, but we wrote, like, basically the entire ceremony. Oh, okay. That the officiant did. So that was kind of cool. It was very personalized.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we I got put a little more thought into vows and stuff like that. All right, all right, cool. Well, I'm excited to hear them on the big day.
1: Yeah, well, and the day before, too. You're going to be in my rehearsal. Oh, and the practice day, yeah. But, I mean... I don't think you actually say your vows in the rehearsal. I've never seen that before. I think they just put you in the right place. Okay. And they say, all right, this is where you say your vows, blah, 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 blah. And then you kiss her, blah, blah, blah. And then you walk, and this is how you walk. Uh, All right, all right. Don't think of
0: it as a dress rehearsal. All right, that's fair. Yeah, uh, okay, it's coming back to me. I kind of remember your rehearsal now. I I guess you guys did kind of uh, speed things along.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I did
1: something else this weekend that I'd like to talk about briefly, if you'll allow it.
0: The floor is yours.
1: So our younger brother, Alexander, is a freshman in college, and he is studying software engineering. He's taking after us and going the IT route. And he... So we were talking resumes, and you were in this conversation too. And I like, I think I ended up sending him mine as an example so that he could copy some formatting stuff a little bit. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah. He's like, man, it would be so nice if I had a portfolio because I haven't had any work on any projects or anything like that. And I was like, you know, you should come over one weekend and we should just have a hackathon and just put together an app over the course of one day. And uh that's what we did. That was yesterday. He came over early in the morning and we just coded all day and we had a
0: product ready to ship by the end of the day. It was pretty sick. A comp family hackathon. First annual?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun too. Uh he came up with the idea which was like a like a Simon game. You know, where it lights up a different square, and then you have to follow the pattern, and then it adds one to the pattern each time. Um, But his twist was that while you are entering your input, you only have five seconds. So there's like a hard limit on how many you will be able to input, and it starts to get like, maybe you can remember everything that you have to input but you only have 5 seconds to do it so you have to have to start getting faster and faster with putting it in so
0: yeah and, and even when you know i mean like it it's still a mental thing like the pressure's on you know like don't screw it up yeah that's fun
1: plus it it keeps the games shorter because you know that added pressure makes it harder so like your it, it also it keeps track of your tap counts and how many rounds you get through so like the most taps that you'd be able to do in a game is like 50 total taps and like five rounds, something like that. So they're like manageable numbers. And if you get to round six versus round five, it like actually feels like an achievement. Um But anyway, we did the whole thing. We did it in Swift. We did it in a single day um, and ended up being really happy with the result. It works on iPhone 4s and scales properly to iPads and would will uh, I'm sure even scale just fine on the iPad Pro and work, uh, work properly. Um, we we ran into an issue submitting it to iTunes Connect, which
0: uh, you know, go that, figure. there's problems with iTunes Connect. It's usually the case, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and. So he had to get that sorted out today as we're recording it, and I actually just helped him through the submission process right before we started recording. So I think he is submitting um, sometime tonight. So it should be available in the next week
0: or so, and then we can talk about it a little more on the on the podcast, I think. Oh, that is so exciting. Two comp brothers with apps in the App Store. Yeah,
1: I'm really proud of him, and I think it's really going to help him Get uh, get a job or get an internship or something like that. I think my exact words were, I would hire the shit out of somebody for an internship if they had an app in the App Store already.
0: Definitely. That's a huge plus. Take it from people who hire iOS interns. Yeah, it's
1: really going to make them stand up. So that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work, um, but I think he got a lot out of it. The name of the app is, is Simon also. It's what? simon
0: how do you spell that
1: s-i-m-o-n so when we talk about it in the future we can refer to it as simon which is the same name as the like the circle
0: game yeah isn't there a competitor by the same name as simon yeah well i mean you've created a simon clone called simon well right yes but it was his project he came up with a name did Did he though <laughs> He came up with the idea of copying <laughs> the existing product's name. I'm just knocking it for fun. It, it sounds like an awesome first project, and I'm actually really proud that you did it with new technologies on his new Mac he bought. Seems like he's taking a huge interest in iOS development, so that's, that's awesome that you are able to help him along. Yeah,
1: I'm happy with that one. Um. All right, what, uh, what do you want to talk
0: about next? Back to TechDown. So if I could just take a few moments to explain to the TechDown listenership a little something.
1: The floor is yours. Oh, thanks.
0: Returning the favor. Yeah, I cede the floor. So over the last two weeks or so, I have been absolutely obsessed With Metal Gear Solid 5. I I talked about Metal Gear a little bit on the show a few weeks ago, uh, talking about how excited I was for 5 to come out. And that, uh, oh, I should mention, this one is called Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain. Metal Gear Solid 5 Part 2, right? Yeah. Yeah. Solider. Yeah, Yeah, Part 2. Exactly. Uh, And I had been playing Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes before this, and I talked about that a little bit, that it was a prequel game or let's say prologue is a better term, and it kind of explains the series of events leading up to this new game, The Phantom Pain. And so it was like a long wait, too, like a year and a half, something like that. Um, but I am so excited that Phantom Pain is out. I can live it in all its glory. And it is probably game of the year contender for me right now at this point. Like I am seriously impressed. It's upsurping Rocket League. How much time have you put into this game so far? Oh, you know, it probably says hours somewhere. Uh but I I'm about twenty percent into the game, which is okay. kind of hard to give an exact uh like uh, an exact breakdown of like where I am. Because you can do missions in, d- in different orders and you can complete side quests that also help uh, tally that and then there's collectibles and stuff like that so i'm like a good i'd say halfway or maybe more through the story and i am just so engrossed in it i think it's starting to bug mary beth a little bit how much time i've been stealing the tv away from her
1: so as somebody who's not a huge fan of metal gear what is it that you
0: like so much about this game Sell me on it all right hold on one second i got some notes here <laughs> I, I came prepared i did my homework if you don't know Metal Gear, it's a series that's been around for decades. I think it originally premiered on, like, I don't know, the Atari or something like that. Like, it's it's forever old. It's super old. I think, more realistically, the first game was out on, like, the PlayStation or the Super Nintendo. Um, so Metal Gear Solid is a stealth action game, and it really leans in heavy on the stealth components. So it you have guns, and you are sneaking around, and there's enemies, but really... Um, the game rewards you for sneaking around enemies more so than blasting through them, like most shooter games out there. So, with that in mind, these are my notes on Metal Gear. Oh, we're not even into your notes yet. Okay, <laughs> that is like the preface to get you in the mood. So, okay. how I play Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain is I really shy away from going loud, and like I said, that's to be expected because this is a stealthy uh, game. So I do a lot of reconnaissance. You have binoculars that you're supposed to like tag enemies and like determine if they have high skills or where different mission objectives are, if there's enemy equipment anywhere around you could destroy to hamstring their ability to find you. So I, I play extremely stealthily. Um, and I mentioned before that enemy soldiers have stats. That's because you have a competing army that you raise and you kind of want to steal away enemies that you're fighting and have them come fight for you on your force which is called diamond dogs so you have a mother base and one of your prime objectives in this game is to steal as much uh soldiers and equipment and weapons as you can throughout the environment and then that helps build up your mother base and you can be a more effective private military force and this Uh, component of the game when i heard about it i wasn't like super thrilled about i thought it kind of complicated like a more straightforward game but it turns out that this is the aspect of it that really gets its hooks into me and what makes me keep wanting to deploy back into the mission area and like wander around find more resources or find that dude with an awesome ability to do something in particular and then instead of killing him uh grabbing him and there's a couple ways you can get them back to your mother base. You can drive them off the mission area, or you can call in a helicopter they will pick them up and whisk them away. But my favorite is something that seems ridiculous, but actually is a real military device, and that's the Fulton. I don't know if you have any idea what I'm talking about. If you watched uh, Batman, The Dark Knight, he actually uses this. It's a balloon uh, to grab that Chinese dude, and whisk him away into the bat wing. (laughs) (laughs) So you attach a big balloon to a guy, and then he floats
1: up, and then he's picked up by an airplane.
0: Yeah, and that is how you extract different things out of the mission area, which is hilarious, but also adds so much um, tension to different uh, encounters because you might be able to subdue a dude, but are you able to balloon him away without all his buddies in the area seeing it? So it's something that is kind of hilarious, but really uh, adds a lot of depth to situations and then also feeds into the collectible aspect of the game. So it's uh, a really fun gameplay experience in that way.
1: So you're like trying to collect bad guys. So it's like Pokemon, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like Pokemon, different soldiers have different abilities, and that's why you might want one over another one. Like maybe this dude's a sharpshooter. Or, you know, maybe this dude can do an awesome fire attack. Not really, but I'm trying to tie it back into Pokemon. Anyway, I can't here. Okay.
1: All right. So I think I follow so far.
0: I don't know. We've talked about video games uh, extensively. We had a best games of the year recap for 2014 earlier in our run. So one of the biggest things and when I'm playing video games is the controls. How does it feel to actually move a character around or drive a car um, if it If it makes sense, is there a realistic sense of gravity? Like, are the animations crisp and smooth? And I have never played a game that controls as well as Metal Gear. So what I wrote here was, great controls, bar none. Very precise and always a pleasure to use. Slick, responsive character animations to accompany. And really, like, what this means to me is that when I go from a full-out sprint to flying through the air and landing on the ground and then crawling in a prone position and then getting up and kneeling and walking that way every transition in this uh sequence is just so buttery smooth
1: it's interesting hearing you say that though because one of the things that i remember about playing the metal gear games before is not being impressed with the controls and it felt like when i was like doing the crouch animation like it took half a second and i couldn't do other things like i had to stop going to crouch and like now i'm in crouch mode and i can move around and it was very segmented um so it seems like that is a lot smoother in this title which maybe like all right you're starting to sell me a little bit keep going keep going
0: that's good that's great to hear um so when you you play this character whose name snake also big boss right yeah Yeah, i'm still unclear about this yeah
1: i notice you haven't mentioned the story (laughs) as one of the things that you like yet but yeah
0: we'll we'll get to that bullet point (laughs) okay cool (laughs) um so you have a variety of buddies who go along with snake into a mission area Uh, you have a um a sniper buddy whose name is quiet who's gotten a lot of attention in this game because she barely wears any clothes and that's a whole separate topic. You know, it is very distracting and I would kind of consider a mark against the game. It seems a, like they gave a really cheesy reason why she spends so much time wearing so little clothes. Yeah, she breathes through
1: her skin, right? Obviously.
0: Yeah, it's it's photosynthesis is what I hear. Um, but it it's kind of distracting in the way that like the the in game camera will just like focus on her like breast for extended periods of time and then pan up to her face like completely unnecessarily. Like a lot of it just seems to be fan service and eye candy, mm-hmm. which is kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's one of your buddies. There's also a robot mech walker, which is fun, but I, I don't really use a ton. The buddy that I use the most though is a little puppy dog that you have whose name's Diamond Dog. So Diamond Dog is fun because when he's in a missionary with you, he'll scout out and find, use his canine abilities to find enemies and plants that you can use in the environment or um, a a couple other things. And that really helps me because I, again, play very stealthy. So I like to know where everyone on the mission area is before I kind of like start moving around and like subduing different people. So Really helpful to have the dog around to find them and then also distract enemies or lure them away from a group of people so that I can uh, take them out and then attach a balloon to them. It sounds like Diamond Dog
1: is a lot like Rush from the Mega Man games. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm following right along.
0: I get it. Yes. You're getting it. Metal Gear is exactly like Pokemon and Mega Man.
1: Yes. And every once in a while, you can jump on Diamond Dog's back and a spring will come out. And elevate Um, you to higher platforms. I got it. Close?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. It sounds like fun. Yeah. And and then last couple notes here. Um, Some of the missions are very frustrating, the way that they take place. So I've had some moments of absolute euphoria when I, like, execute a plan that I came up with that wasn't scripted in any game engine. It just was something that I decided to do. And then it looked awesome, and I was super happy with it. I have an equal amount, if not more, of just really frustrating moments where maybe something happens, you know, that's outside of my control. Or, like, I wasn't paying attention, and someone who I hadn't marked uh, notices me, so I wasn't aware they were there. There's a few things like that, but the game's also really generous with autosave. So there's not too many moments where I have to like start back at square one at a mission. So that's appreciated. It's frustrating but seems fair in the saving.
1: What about the story? Are we at that bullet point yet?
0: You've arrived to my last bullet point. Okay. So I I had a lot to say about all the other parts here. I have an incomplete thought for my last bullet point, and that is story is so so, comma. <laughs> but I really don't feel like elaborating that much more. Like the story, I will say the story for the first hour or so, very engaging. It's like a really tense, um, escape thriller. Like it's great. And it's, it's cool because it really plays like a movie, but unlike a movie, like you would get two thirds of a movie story in an hour, you know, this is just like trying to escape from a place. So it's, it's kind of fun. It's like when you notice the difference in medium between movies and television, like how you can really flesh out character development in a TV show because you spend more time with them over a season. Yeah, it's kind of like that with a video game. Like you can play these longer moments like that. So I really appreciated the prologue. Everywhere else, the story really isn't that great. Maybe I mean maybe I'll enjoy it more. I keep hearing in the reviews I read that like 30 hours in or whatever, the story count kind of comes back around and starts connecting thread plot points that came up uh in the beginning of the game so maybe I'll, I'll change my tune then but right now i'm I'm definitely playing it for the gameplay more than the story ah so you play it
1: more for the gameplay than the story i i get it, <laughs> God <damn> it Adam. <laughs> anything, anything else about metal gear that you want to say
0: no, I might have some final thoughts on Metal Gear once I actually wrap up the campaign, but I'm I'm kind of enjoying it now. It's it's a lot of fun. And I know that there's a Metal Gear Online on the horizon, which mm-hmm. I, I literally know no information about. So maybe after the campaign, I can kind of spend the rest of my gaming eternity playing Metal Gear Online. Well, I'm glad that you are
1: enjoying it. Uh, that's the most important thing. I, I'm not sure that you've completely sold me to the point where I want to buy a PS4, but sounds like you're having a good time.
0: Definitely, yeah,
1: having a ball. Dude, I think that we managed that transition where we had to cut the recording pretty pretty flawlessly. You just ruined it. If you're listening right now, try to go back and find where we cut it. I, I don't think you'll be able to.
0: Nope, seamless. I dare you. That's right. We, That's we right. have award-winning editing on this program. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, we done with Metal Gear? Yes. For now. Wh-
1: which is our first item on follow-up. This is how you can tell that we are a real podcast, because we haven't even made it through all of our follow-up and gotten into main topics yet.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> I had a lot to say about that follow-up item. Yeah, you, you came prepared. You had lots of notes. Um. Okay. So, next item of follow-up was... And you're right, it's not fair to call Metal Gear, that discussion follow-up. But uh, I said something a couple episodes back that's been weighing on my mind. Uh, you asked me about the Apple TV subscription plan, and I basically just kind of said, meh, I-, I don't really care about that. There was a rumor that it was going to be announced, and then it had to be pulled because uh, negotiations with TV content providers fell through, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um,
0: does that ring a bell? Yeah, I think I remember this like forty bucks a month and you get some some channels
1: and you get some channels, yeah, exactly
0: um, and
1: I feel like it didn't explain my thoughts about why I was dismissive about that uh very well or at all. So I wanted to take a second and do that now, and I think that now that I've also had time to think about it, um the reason that I'm so dismissive of a tv subscription plan for the new apple tv was because i have a really good way of watching television right now involving uh like usenet i don't want to go into too many details and incriminate myself too much uh Uh, but needless to say it is so easy it is i think the best way to watch television and a tv subscription plan while uh, some would say more legal, <laughs> more less in the gray area of legality, um, I don't think would be as usable as what I have now. So in my mind, it's similar to when Napster was getting really popular and it was just so easy to get your music that uh, people, people would use it all the time and they stopped buying CDs until it got easier for like easier than piracy
0: to listen to music um yep convenience is a crazy large motivator
1: yeah exactly so like now that we have hey pay ten dollars a month for these streaming services and you can listen to all the music that you want as soon as it comes out i'm not even aware of anybody that pirates move pirates music at all anymore because it's just so easy to listen to whatever you want whenever you want wherever you want and i think that we need something like that for television um and i'm not sure what that is yet except that now that the apple tv has been announced and we this was on the follow-up list last week and we didn't get to it but now that it's been announced There are some features in there that I'm really excited to use that I think will be reasons to watch content from, uh, say, iTunes or HBO Go or HBO Now over getting it from Usenet. Um, And one of those that, uh, again, we didn't talk about it last week, and I think it's a huge thing that the Apple TV is going to be able to do, is that, uh, what did they say feature? where you can, uh, bring the microphone up to your face, hit the Siri button on the new Apple TV, say, what did they say? And it will rewind the content by 15 or 20 seconds and turn on closed captioning. And you can rewatch that scene with the closed captioning turned off or turned on. Um, which if that's something that's not available with other ways of watching content, uh, might be a reason to start to consider using iTunes over something like Usenet. So that is one, of like, that's one example. There are other things that Apple TV might be able to do that you can't do with content gotten outside of approved partners that actually might be a reason to get, to to use legal methods to get your television content. Um, But, like, I don't think that, having a TV subscription plan in and of itself is it. So I don't know how much sense that makes, but that's kind of my my rationale for being dismissive of a Apple TV subscription plan.
0: Kind of interesting that we didn't talk about that when we were going over our uh, Apple event recap, but that was some of the more interesting stuff that I thought uh when went into the Apple T V upgrade. Like just the ability like they had a couple other use cases like, hey Siri, show me all the James Bond movies. Yeah. No, just the ones with Sean Connery. And then I'm sure you could say like just the ones that got above seventy percent on Rotten Tomato. You can keep uh refining your criteria like that with the context of your previous queries, which I know um John Syracusa mentioned is like a really programmatic way to look at it. Like it's really logical and like it We'll have to see if people really uh, talk like that in the day to day and when they use this thing. But I'm pretty bullish on that. I think that sounds really fun. Like you mentioned the case of, you know, what did he say or like the more I think the one thing that I was like, OK, that's really cool was like, what's the office episode with Adam Scott or something like that? So you can like you because you could, you know, before like go on IMDb and say like, oh, yeah, well, he wasn't in this exactly. show or he was in this show and then like click on that and find the episode and it was really convoluted and this just seems to be like a killer replacement for that terrible workflow
1: yeah and i think another feature is you're able to in the middle of a show ask who stars in this and that sort of thing and siri will know and be able to look up the actors and i'm assuming you can go from there and uh like look up more information about them that uh i wrote a blog post about how there has been confirmation that a Plex app will be, uh like, started to be in development soon um and available for Apple TV eventually. But these sort of things that we're talking about almost certainly will not work with a Plex app. Like, if you're just on the home screen and you say, show me James Bond movies, I don't think that's going to know to check your Plex library. And so, you know, maybe that... One by one, these features start to add up and start to be reasons to get people away from things like Plex and towards things like uh, iTunes. I
0: I, I think I feel that you're right about that. And that would be a good reason for Apple to herd people more towards using a built in service like iTunes to get their media. But what what do you think, like at a technical level, is actually preventing something like Plex, like tapping into this? Is is iTunes or is Apple loading their TV episodes with metadata about who's on the screen at what given time, or is is it using like facial recognition? Like, do you think that there's any technical reason why Plex wouldn't be able to tap into that kind of stuff? So you're right about metadata. Uh, I bet.
1: Every iTunes TV show has metadata about who all of the actors are, and that's how it knows that Edward Norton is a guest star on so-and-so particular episode of Modern Family. And maybe the metadata on Plex apps uh, doesn't contain that. But I think the main thing is that when you activate Siri and you speak something, Siri will interpret your language and then send out a query to the content that it knows about. And I don't think that it knows about the content uh, from apps that Apple doesn't have a partnership with. Um, so, and so like, and I think part of the technical reason is that there's a Siri limitation where a Plex app as far as I know, wouldn't be able to say, hey, here's the metadata for all of my content that I have in my library. Make it searchable with Siri. Um, As far as I know, that API just doesn't exist, and maybe it will in the future, but I'm kind of wondering if Apple is actually, there's like a reverse incentive to implement that, or there's an incentive for them not to implement it because then it's a differentiating feature between their content and content that you watch through Plex.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I wonder what they would weigh higher, like customers purchasing content through their store or lifting the entire platform up with that feature. So it's like, you could, yeah, you could use Plex anywhere, but you can use Plex with this feature on the Apple TV. So that, uh, kind of just throwing that out there. Interesting yeah. to think about. It's like, uh, so I prefer... Spotify to Apple Music,
1: but I think the feature where I'm able to use Siri to say, hey Siri, play me the new Macklemore song, and in two seconds it's playing, versus me having to unlock my phone, go to my Spotify app, search by typing into a search field, Macklemore, select the right, like, that being able to search with Siri from a locked screen might be a reason to get me to, if not use Apple Music as my primary uh music streaming service to at least keep it around for a little while.
0: Yeah. I've had a few situations, I had a couple use cases recently where I was using Apple Music. It doesn't happen often, but I had a great experience where I was listening to an artist I had like multiple CDs of, but I think a couple were unreleased or just for whatever reason weren't available in iTunes. So when I went to their Apple Music page, it only had a couple, and I wanted a song from a different album that wasn't listed. So I was able to go to the My Music tab, and then that showed all of my albums, and I was able to play it there. And I really liked that mix of the, the music that I didn't own that Apple was showing me and I could stream, and then the actual music from that artist I owned in iTunes in the Cloud, or whatever that feature is called. And it got me thinking that there's a couple things about using Apple Music that are really, really nice, but the feature set of Spotify still outweighs it, in my opinion, but Mm -hmm. it actually made me really excited to see what, you know, the next version and then the version after that of what Apple Music is really going to look like once they have, you know, all the gestures that I've gotten used to and using Spotify and the ability to use AirPlay to cast music to different sources instead of that Spotify feature that's, My favorite thing about the whole app, like, give it a couple more versions, and I think Apple Music will be really compelling. And I'm already starting to see a few use cases where it really shines. And one by one, these features that you can
1: do with the tight integration between Apple Music and your hardware are really going to start to add up. Um, Uh, Apple Music being available on the new Apple TV is another prime example. Yeah. Being able to just use Siri to search on your Siri remote and say, Hey, I got a party going. Play some Taylor Swift or whatever people listen to at parties. You can definitely do that. Can't do that with Spotify. Can't do that with Spotify. That's right. Um, so hey, speaking of the Apple TV, I uh, I won the lottery today.
0: Get out of town.
1: That's right. What What'd you win? I won one free Apple TV, and in parentheses, free is actually one dollar to confirm shipping and billing address, something along those lines.
0: Sounds like a great deal. It's a great value right there. I know.
1: Just think about how much, what my return on investment is going to be once I list this on eBay. Uh, No, but if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, Apple had a, they announced a lottery after their event last week where developers could enter for the right to purchase a new apple tv dev kit and so you put in you had a couple of dates to sign up that closed yesterday or two days ago something along those lines and they announced earlier today who the winners were and i was among them and uh so i don't know if you entered or we haven't talked about this if so i don't know if you entered or if you won but as far as i know uh Nobody that has entered has not
0: won. So did, did you participate in this? So I, I should start by saying that Apple and I have a long history of lotteries, and I'm, I'm happy to enter any lottery that Apple throws out there, whether it be for the chance to purchase a WWDC ticket or a voucher for an Apple Watch, which you could then purchase an Apple Watch. So of course I had to throw my hat into this lottery ring. And... Unfortunately, I have to break it to you that I have seen a few people on Twitter like uh Paul Haddad at uh one of the developers for Tweetbot. He uh unfortunately seems like did not win uh one of these lottery tickets. So, it's kind of sad that a couple people I I've saw at least on Twitter didn't get a chance to redeem their one free Apple TV ticket. The good news is, however, that I did enter, and for the first time ever, I did actually win. So I confirmed my uh, purchase of $1 and then went ahead and had that shipped out. So I am really excited to shortly be the owner of a new Apple TV. Yeah, congratulations to you. Congratulations to both of us. Yes, the Comp Brothers
1: do it again. That's right. Uh, So I actually got the impression from Paul's tweet that he
0: did get one. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm attributing that to someone else. There was a a big flurry of activity today. So I had to interpret it, and I
1: feel like it's open to interpretation. Paul's tweet is, looks like everyone is a winner.
0: Well, maybe not you, but everyone else. And didn't people reply to that? Okay, I did see that. And didn't people reply to it saying they did not win? Yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, other people said that... uh, They
1: know some people that didn't get it. Okay, fine. Not everybody won.
0: But to your point, it seems like a ton of people who entered got a chance to get one of these dev units. Yeah. and Which is really exciting to me because I went back and looked, and I don't think Apple released an actual uh, shipping date for this product, did they? No, not yet. Did I miss something? Uh, I think late October
1: is all that they've said. Is that right? Okay. And so last episode, we are... Did had they announced this uh when we recorded last episode? I think that they had. Yeah. Because we... I
0: mentioned yeah, I mentioned that I was hoping it was a free one. Yeah. And you were pretty sure that it was the chance to purchase one.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: But and it was th- the truth was somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that damn one dollar.
1: Um so Anyway, I'm, I'm excited. I, what do you think a dev kit is versus an uh, actual Apple TV? Do you think it's going to be the exact same
0: thing as retail, just given out early to developers? Hmm. So if I had to wager, if I were a wagering man, I would say that this is going to be final or near-final hardware with uh, beta software on it. That's mm. my guess.
1: Okay. I think that makes a lot of sense. And since you are right about the purchase price... Uh, I'll ride your coattails and make the exact same prediction d do, do you think it's going to be the thirty two or the sixty four
0: i f- I figure it would be thirty two I don't see what reason they'd have to give out the sixty four maybe yeah. just developer goodwill
1: yeah
0: I agree. I'm expecting a thirty two Yeah. So one wrinkle, I did uh, actually choose to have my shipping address changed because I didn't want a signature needed package to get delivered to my apartment complex. So I'm hoping I don't have any issues actually receiving my uh, Apple TV, but we will see. I'll have to follow up on that. We shall. And it's also cool because we'll be able to give
1: our impressions pretty early. Yeah. So I'm excited about that.
0: Stay tuned. Definitely and actually come to think of it speaking of impressions the final build for iOS 9.0 comes out this Wednesday so hopefully we can get some quality time with the actual final bits and then i don't know if there's any stones left unturned on that one but maybe we can uh give some updated impressions now that's actually going to be out
1: yeah actually released cool i think that's a good idea um do you want to hit these other topics or do you want to save them for a later date? It's up to you.
0: Um, I, I kind of feel like the rest is going to go pretty quick, so we, let's hit them up. Lightning round. All right, lightning round. Uh, One thing that we didn't mention last episode. So
1: I liked that we did a reaction episode to the Apple event shortly after.
0: Yeah, we got our raw impressions.
1: Yeah, we got our raw impressions. Um, But, like, we missed stuff uh it it happens you know in the fury of information some stuff gets missed we're excited it's heady times um one of the things that we didn't talk about was that the new iphones will implement the taptic engine that the apple watch has uh we didn't talk about that right i don't think so and i think that's actually a really big deal I think that the way that my watch will tap on my wrist to get my attention is so much better than the way that my entire phone basically vibrates itself. That I think that this is going to be one. So not a lot of people have Apple watches compared to people that have iPhones. And I think that once people get their new iPhones, they are going to be really pleasantly surprised by this feature so i think that it's going to be something that uh people are like i said pleasantly surprised by
0: yeah and i wonder if the vibration is going to feel localized to like a part of the screen or anything if it's going to be that granular because it seems like uh the difference between this and the existing vibrator that's been in the iphone forever um it's You know, it's a stark difference. I I think the Johnny Ive sickly produced video that they played said something like it takes 10 oscillations or whatever to get the vibrator up to full strength, whereas this new Taptic Engine can do it in one oscillation. Like the difference is pretty, pretty uh, amazing. And then actually the implications they have for something like battery life is pretty cool too. Mm Mm-hmm. Just the overall efficiency of this new design, given that it's like seems like a big upgrade. You know, like you said, I love the taptic engine on the watch. The the physical tactile feedback is, uh, you know, you can't have the force touch technology without it. It would just feel kind of dull and lifeless. Yeah, agreed. So there's that. I'm actually very
1: excited about that for uh, new phones. Um, but I guess speaking of iPhones. I guess we skipped over. Good thing we have a list, right? Just go willy-nilly, whatever order we want. Um iPhone 6S pre-orders were the other night.
0: Yeah, and mercifully they were not on a work night for the first time in my recent <laughs> memory. So that that yeah. was a huge, you know, thing for me. Thanks for the solid Apple.
1: So 3 A.m. rolled around and uh I was sleeping comfortably in my bed with no intention of waking up to pre-order. I've decided to wait. But I hear you took it another direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I was up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at 2.45 in the morning, just uh, waiting with everyone else on Twitter for 3 o'clock or 3.01 Eastern time, of course, to strike so that the Apple store would open up and I would be able to place my order for my brand new phone. Which, of course, very excited for. So, I get up, don't really have too much problems, and it gets to be like around 3 o'clock and I start refreshing the website. And no joke, that store website uh, does not come up for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, which I know you you know, sat it out this year, but when you're talking about iPhone pre-orders, 15 minutes is like the kiss of death. Like you You might as well be talking about January, you're getting your phone, as far as I'm concerned. So, I had a backup option which was the Apple Store app that uh is always um available and it seems more reliably uh brought online after the store has been in their um sticky note phase right before they put up new products, right? So at f- uh 3:01, I refreshed the app and then that was uh that opened up. I was able to place my order from my iPhone with no problems. I got an iPhone 6S 64-gig uh, model Space Gray unlocked because I, of course, am a T-Mobile customer. And then I believe that will be shipped to me on the 25th of this month. So for in my opinion, it was all worth it. And then I spent like another 30 minutes just staying up and hearing what everybody else got on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is part of the fun in my opinion. Yeah, it's a fun experience ordering
1: and feeling like you're part of a community. Yeah. That's up in the middle of the night doing that. So so I gotta ask Adam, what what's the deal? How come you didn't pre order? Yeah, so I'm really excited about the new iPhones and I want one and I think I want one for my wife also. But my student loans for college are almost paid off. And my wife and I have been putting off a few purchases um, because we just really want to be out from under our student loans completely. So um should take another two to three months for our student loans to be paid off completely. And then the floodgates can open and uh, we can make fun technical purchases like iPhones. Um, she also really needs a new computer. So we can. that's something else that we've been putting off. So we'll start to look at that once our... Oh, I guess it's mine. My last student loan is paid off.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably the more fiscally responsible move. So I applaud you there. I also,
1: so this actually gets back to, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I tend not to make New Year's resolutions, but I set goals for myself every year. And I do think that there's a distinction in that I tend to have my goals be for myself. And one of my goals for 2015 was to have uh, both mine and Cindy's student loans paid off. So I'm very close to achieving that goal. I want to assure that or ensure
0: that I am able to do that. So I'm waiting. Down to the wire, though. Two to three months. We're talking almost 2016. Well, the reason I set it
1: as a goal was because I knew, like, if all went according to how quickly I had been paying off my loans, uh, like, I would be on target to get it done this year. Um, so, I, I mean, it's a its a realistic goal. But it's nice, too, because it's, I don't know, like, I've had to be um, disciplined. Setting the goal has made me stay disciplined about my purchases. So I feel good about it. feel good about my choice.
0: Yeah, definitely. That that sounds like a wise move. And you are intending or intending to eventually pick up the success? Uh, yes, absolutely. Maybe in time for the holidays. Yeah, it it surprised me because I heard from a couple people that they might be skipping this year. And this seems like for developers for our crowd, this is the iPhone that you want to get, you know, like this new 3D touch display and the implications that has for Apple's apps and third party apps just seems huge. It seems like one of the biggest rethinkings to app development since iOS 2.0. So it, it, it's been a little surprising to me. I think some people are underestimating what a big change this might actually have for the client experience on apps.
1: Yeah. I think if you don't have, if you're not getting that exposure, to the 3d touch that's introduced i think you are going to be streets behind
0: definitely a plus one that yeah um and, and i i think there's also a certain sense of wisdom in taking a wait and see approach on this one like as we saw the first crop of WatchOS apps were a little meh there were a few gems and a couple that needed a spit shine like overcast and the new version was uh much improved but a lot of the watch apps just kind of are clunkers because when they were developed, people didn't have the hardware. And even when they did, they weren't quite sure what worked on the watch form factor. Right. Right? And I think we might kind of see something like that with 3D Touch as well. Yep, really good point. Um, so
1: all that being said, I think that once my student loan, my last student loan is paid off, I think my first purchase might actually be something that we, that was announced last week that we didn't talk about, and that is the iPad. An Apple Pencil? No, we talked about the Apple Pencil, but we did not talk at all about the iPad Mini 4.
0: Yep, it was a footnote in Apple's event, and it was a footnote in our podcast. And I think it might be the first thing that I purchase from that
1: event that cost me more than a dollar.
0: Yeah. So why yeah. is that? So
1: I have an iPad two that I got as soon as the iPad two came out. I know they've been selling iPad twos for like 10 years or whatever at this point, but I got it as soon as it came out. I've been using it off and on since then. Um, and what I used it for this weekend was to stream NFL football games. um, so I'm a cord cutter and the way that I watched football last season was I signed up for this subscription service that the NFL offers to people outside of America. Um and so in order to get it to work, you basically have to use a VPN to make it look like you are surfing the internet from another country, say Belgium, go to this website, sign up for the service, and then use uh or And then you have to download their app in order to stream, um, but it's not available in the U.S. app store because the service isn't available in the U.S. So you have to set up an account that's outside of the Americas and then use a VPN app on your second device in order to stream properly. And it's a big pain, but uh, I like football a lot, so it's worth it for me. Um, Labor of love yeah yeah exactly and it's it's a fun technical challenge too um having to get around you know get around the limitations that n f l gives us but anyway so there's there's a common
0: theme to this episode i'm seeing
1: <laughs> yep um but I got it all set up, and uh it just that that ipad is on its last legs. Man, yeah. It's starting to get really slow. Um I don't even know that I updated iOS on it because I'm scared to because the frame rate is so choppy. Um So, I think it's time to upgrade and I was looking at iPads thinking about what one I would get to upgrade with. And the iPad Mini 4 seems like it'd be a really good form factor. It's basically the internals of the iPad Air 2 stuffed in a smaller case. Um and everybody says the iPad 2 iPad Air 2 is ridiculously fast. Um and you know performs well. So I think if I got the Mini 4, it would be able to last me for years and years and years and be in a form factor that I really like. And I basically only need it for maybe testing out iPad apps and uh doing random tasks with it such as streaming NFL games. So um
0: I will potentially be in the market for one of those coming up. Ah, interesting. Have you had have you spent much time with the iPad mini form factor? You know, not a ton.
1: I have used them and it seems fine. <sighs> I'm actually I think a lot about form factors and the iPad 6 versus the 6 Plus versus a smaller size of the 5S and then the iPad versus iPad Mini versus now iPad Pro. Um, I I think about that a lot. And I think basically what I've come to realize is that you will get used to whatever form factor you use and you'll be fine with it, and you'll like it. Um, So if you get a smaller form factor, you will get used to it, and you'll think, oh, this is good. I can't imagine needing anything bigger. And if you have a bigger form factor, you'll think, oh, yeah, this is great. I can't imagine going back to anything smaller. Um, So I think I'd be fine with an iPad Mini. Plus, it's less expensive, uh, which is nice for something that I would use less. And plus, smaller makes it more portable, so I can lose it easier, slash, uh, move it around from room to room easier. So,
0: uh, I I think that's a really well thought out reason, and I'm excited to see what you actually end up thinking about it. Maybe uh, sounds like we'll be talking about it in like December. Maybe that'll be a Christmas present for you. Yeah, maybe. Plus,
1: I'm an iconoclast. And so I'd love to get the product that Apple spent the least amount of time talking about in their keynote.
0: Typical Lisa Simpson.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um all right, anything else for this episode you want to talk about? No, let's wrap it up. Alright, so if you would like to find me online, I am on Twitter at Adam Comp. I also have a website, www.adamcomp.com dot com, and the podcast Techdown has a Twitter account that is at TechdownFM, as well as Techdown.fm on the internet. Aaron, where can people find you and uh, your thoughts online?
0: So I am also on Twitter. It's at Aaron Comp. I have a website too. It's AaronComp.com. And it would be super helpful if you've listened all the way this uh, all the way to the end of this episode. If you could rate this podcast five stars in iTunes, true that. All right. Cool, man. I will see you next
1: week. Good episode, though. Yep. See you at my bachelor party. Oh, that's right. Bye, man. Later.